Sam, I cannot believe that we have made it to season two. Oh, it's, oh, I, I feel like I say this every time. It's so exciting, but it is. It's super exciting. <laughs> it is exciting. It feels like a massive milestone. I'm like so excited to be here. Um, if you guys haven't listened to our season finale, be sure to go back. There's a special announcement. Obviously, with the way that we're recording, we'll announce the winner later um, in our recordings. But it will be announced first on social media. So super exciting for those of you who are keeping up to date with our new episodes. Yeah, we're we're really excited to share, like the like she said, this uh, momentous. I almost said it again. I feel like I said this previously in episodes <laughs> momentous moment <laughs> that, like, this really big moment for us that has to be a yes. t-shirt at some point momentous moment <laughs> yeah exactly I just I don't know it, it's something that we just we decided that because we both really liked anime that we, do, we just really wanted to talk about it and Megan had mentioned uh before we started recording our last episode which was the season finale for season one and she's like sam i don't think that we've talked this much in such a long time and i'm like yeah this is so great i and i just feel like it's just rekindled like our friendship we used to see each other a lot almost every day in college Mm -hmm. and we just haven't been because you live in oklahoma i live in utah and just life and so this has been super great I know this is like the best thing ever. And I mean, it's so fun for us. It doesn't feel like work period. And the fact that we have so many of you who are also listening in and like chatting it up with me on social media, it's like the coolest thing ever on top of a really cool thing already. So thank you so much for joining us. (laughs) We're pumped for season two, but Sam, I do need to mention that we have a little correction to make. Um, Ooh, what do I we know. screw up on? <laughs> <laughs> to quote a very popular podcast, My Favorite Murder, we need to have a bit of a corrections corner moment. So I had tallied <laughs> the votes for episode MVPs for the season finale. And my brain only thought to count what was on social media. So on our Instagram And I forgot to include the two episodes prior to season one, um, the finale recording, because we had them scheduled, but not live. And so, (laughs) yep. And so here's some updated numbers for you all. Petra, good old Petra, we love her, gets a solid point. And Jean, he got one point as well. He's had two honorable mentions, so that gives him a solid point. And Sam, this should have told me that my numbers were wrong, like right from the <laughs> beginning, because Levi, I said, had only three. Like, we vote for him all the time. <laughs> that should have been a big enough hint. But Levi actually has a tally of six MVPs. So he he was like above and beyond everybody else. I think the other people were like two. I know. Th- those were the runner up people for the season. So I know. Ugh. So I just like found it hysterical how like 
Levi, he was already at the top of the list, but then once I did that correction, I was like, holy crap, I was so wrong. It literally doubled in numbers. <laughs> so now that everyone's up to speed, um, after every episode, um, podcast episode, we're going to keep track of how this tallying is going. And trust me, I'm going to do one million times better at keeping track. So yeah, more stuff to look forward to when we recap it at our season two finale. Um, so yeah, I mean, Sam, let's dive in. This is going to be a short season, so we're going to crank through it, but we're pumped. Sam, why don't we dive in to season two, episode one or 26, which is called Beast Titan. Okay, so let's get on with a summary. Uh, Hanji interrogates the pastor, Nick. Uh, we finally figured out what his name is. We don't just call him the pastor anymore. He's Pastor Nick. As to why there is a titan in the wall after he tells the scouts to make sure that its face is covered from sunlight. So he gets in there and he just like books it to the wall. And he's like, do not let sunlight touch its face. And Hanji is just like, yep, we're taking him as a captive. And we're just going to try <laughs> to interrogate him. Uh, but she gets nothing out of him, even after holding him over the wall's edge. Uh, yeah, she she just, or they, they don't get anything. Hanji in rare form. Rare form. Like, she was very passionate about it. Yeah, can't blame her, though. I mean, humanity's at stake. Yeah. Okay, so... Uh, most of the scouts besides Armin, Mikasa, Aaron, Levi, and Erwin are back at the temporary HQ. They find that the Titans have broken through the wall, through wall rows. So they all get on their horses to flee while Mike tries to distract them. Uh, distract them, meaning the Titans. The scouts all split up into four different groups. Connie decides that after he helps the others get to safety, he's going to ride to his own town to see if they need help. And then Reiner and Berholt... Berholt say that they're going to join him. Sorry, everybody. I really butcher names. I very much apologize. Uh, Mike, as he is taken down half of the Titans, is then stopped by the quote-unquote furry Titan, or the Beast Titan, who asks him a question about his gear. Okay, guys, this Beast Titan asks Mike about his gear. Mike doesn't say anything because he's like, what in the world? And then <laughs> he is too afraid. I feel like I'm Bill and Ted right now. I keep going on tangents and then saying like these key <laughs> phrases. Mike doesn't say anything. He is too afraid. The furry titan takes his gear and Mike gets the courage to take him out. As Mike gets up to try to attack the beastly titan, the furry titan, sorry, the beast titan <laughs> tells the other titans, oh, you can move now. Like, he just ah! conveniently forgot. And then they just converge. And that's where we end. <laughs> I mean, what a start to a season. I am, like, I couldn't remember how season two started. But as soon as it happened, I was like, holy freaking crap. I didn't remember the Beast Titan coming in so soon. It was an amazing start for those of you who are still rolling with us you know how good it was um but okay let's talk about our themes here so for me i just like boiled this episode down to like two categories the danger 
of unknown knowledge, what can happen when you are just unaware of certain information, and then the responsibility of gatekeeping that knowledge. So first, let's just like break it down a little more because I want to talk more in detail first about the danger of unknown knowledge. So there were like so many examples. So first off, the Titan in the wall, like, holy crap, the scouts, there's a moment where these scouts are updating Commander Ervin um, that they'd covered up the Titan. And they were like, we could never imagine this happening. And Ervin, he just was like, how could you? There were only those of us who knew and those of us left completely in the dark. And I'm like, that just like sums up the themes perfectly. Those who knew and those were who were in the dark. Then there's yeah. Hanji and Pastor Nick. And Hanji is like in rare form screaming like, do you have any concept of how many scouts have laid down their lives to fight these monsters? More than you can count. They died for their freedom. I was there with them, you know? And it's like, she was so shocked by this information. And she expressed how discovering this massive amount of information so suddenly she just said how long has it been since i've felt like this wow it must have been when i first stepped outside the walls talk about terrifying so this is even terrifying for someone like hanji who's actively pursued getting information on the titans and like inspecting them from every angle And even that's scary to Hanji. Like, this was so left field for them. Well, I mean, and they, and I feel like the author and the creators of the show really did a good job of showing how important knowledge is to Hanji. And for them to make this statement just makes it even more impactful, precious everything like you understand what hanji is going through based on your prior understanding of how important knowledge is to them 100 how many times have we heard hanji say knowledge is always worth the risk like she is always yeah. ready to go there in pursuit of information and yet this was like so not on anyone's radar that it was shocking to literally everyone except for Pastor Nick. Um, but then I also thought about the Beast Titan and Mike. Okay, because yeah. this is also like a discovery moment as well. The Beast Titan is so fascinated by the ODM gear. He's clearly seeing yeah. it for the first time. And it is a weapon. And he deduces that because of the swords... The humans are now aware of the Titan's weak spot. Just Mm -hmm. uncovering this based on how things are looking, which, to be honest, is kind of like what Hanji has done in reverse, in this role reversal. But now it's a beast Titan, the enemy doing it. And uh, this, like, breaks my heart because in addition to Mike, like, dying horrifically and alone and, like, really valiantly... 
think about all the first account knowledge that Mike is experiencing right now. It's a massive abnormal that is so tall. It's shorter than the Colossal, but it is one of the biggest Titans they've ever seen. Yeah. And this Titan grabs a horse and chucks it at him, which we were told earlier that the Titans never mess with horses or any other animals, just people. So this is like crazy out of character he also well and that shows that he understands i think he understands the purpose because mike goes to whistle for his horse and the horse starts coming back and so he understands i am going to cut off this human's way of getting away 100 percent yeah seriously like there was a strategy to this again a titan with intelligence and um on top of that, Mike realizes that this Titan can boss around the other Titans. They were scared of him. And yeah. obviously, the Titan could speak. Like, never has that ever happened before. And all of this firsthand knowledge, this first account knowledge, completely gone with the death of Mike. So again, mm -hmm. all the humans and the people who are fighting to save humanity are still in the dark. It is so sad and such a loss when you think about it in that way. Yeah, I agree. And it's also interesting because you as the viewer, you as the viewer of Attack on Titan now know something that the rest of Attack on Titan humanity does not know besides Mike, what is going on. And that's, oh, that's such a troubling feeling to me. Like having that knowledge that nobody else knows and having to hold on to it. Attack on Titan does a really good job with that. Can I just say like they do that a lot? <laughs> Seriously. And just making you sit in the uncomfortable feeling yes. of like knowing critical information and yet you got to write it out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um, the danger of the unknown knowledge that we have as viewers is very uncomfortable. Exactly. Um but yeah, I feel like though the Beast Titan and Mike was like a huge, like a great illustration of the massive um, disproportion of knowledge about the enemy because mm -hmm, yeah. the Titans are obviously steps ahead of the humans. Um you know, they know so much more about the humans than the humans know about the Titans. And aside from the ODM gear, it seemed like the Beast Titan really knew what to do. And just that stark contrast of what one side knows and doesn't know versus the other is... It allows the Titans to get this step up, which kind of leads me to my next point, if you're ready to move on to the next point. Well, I just wanted to point out that there was a moment where the Beast was specifically talking to Mike in, uh, I guess, in the dubbed version, English. Yeah. And he's like, oh, maybe he doesn't. The Beast, the beast Titan specifically says, like, maybe he doesn't speak the same language. And so yep. he had this assumption of what these people in this specific territory. So my question is like, just, you know, from that is, so do they know, like how much do they know about the settlement? Do they know about other settlements that might be 
using a different language like and what language does he natively speak if he does not speak very the same language as everybody behind the wall like what language are you speaking just all these questions that popped up in the moment for me true and what made him assume that Mike would speak a certain kind you know it's like there's a lot going on there with just that one moment oh sammy that was so good um but that does bring me to my next point which is the responsibility of gatekeeping unknown knowledge okay so let's go back to pastor nick who's clearly like the Uh. champion of keeping secrets even at the stake of everyone living like yeah horrible (laughs) We see that he is ready and willing to die over disclosing information from Hanji, like, holding him over the wall. And this just, like, made me think, like, how bad is this when the better alternative is to just die over telling what you know? And it also makes me wonder, who is telling you not to say anything? You know, what higher power is it God? Is it, um, and I'm not saying like God, but just, you know, your higher power. Is it a person? Is it a person with more access to weapons or, you know, like who is it that you are more afraid of than falling to your death with Hanji holding you over? Like, think about just, you know what's at stake here and then let's not forget there's the 104th cadets minus the trio and john and they are away when this takedown of annie is happening so last season we saw annie getting taken down these 104th cadets are not there and they don't know anything what's happening to uh, Annie and they really don't know why they aren't training. They don't know why they're in civilian clothes, why they're away from town. And this comes at a price, just keeping them in the dark. This keeps them in a price because it's too late for them to suit up with ODM gear. They're super compromised. And we see just like with a lot of people, it's like, is it worth the risk of disseminating like all this information to protect as many people but not get this result that you want like does that make sense yeah no I think that it makes perfect sense and I think that like just pointing out oh this was this was a hard part to watch because the the 104th cadets have really been thrown into the boiling water or into the pot whatever whatever analogy you want to freaking use um (laughs) they have been they have had to jump in quick and learn real quick. And so for them to be sitting around, like they were just, I I feel like the wheels are turning and they're like, we know better than this as scouts. We know that there should be something that we are doing. And so they're nitpicking all of these things that are happening. Well, we have people that are like guarding us. They're not just, you know, patrolling Mm -hmm. for Titans. It seems like they're guarding us. We don't have any of our gear. Nobody's mm-hmm. told us anything. Like they are definitely reading into it as they should, which would show like competent 
thinking skills. <laughs> yes. And like, that would be so nerve wracking. And you as the viewer, you know what's going on. You know what you've just seen. You know what you've been told. And having that contrast of the people that you're watching that know nothing. And you're just like, I just want to tell you, like, <laughs> there's a Titan. There's, like, you know, they're like, yeah. Where to go at that point? Percent, like you would think that if this is for the state sake of humanity, that Pastor Nick would have fessed up and shared all he knew. That Commander Ervin would have said, "Here's the plan with Annie. We suspect her, so you guys are going to be away." You know, like this is for the sake of saving humanity. Oh, he yeah. also kept that town. Um, in the dark as well, Stoic. So there was a lot of carnage there. So it's like, yes, if this information and knowledge would help save so many lives, like, you know, why, what is holding us back from not sharing? There's this like responsibility that they have where it's like, I cannot go past this point, even though, there's a lot at stake happening that's greater than saving humanity, you know? Okay. Yeah. I do have a question for you. So as, and, and this is just something because I had to go through this thought process myself, you know, when you sometimes don't agree with something that somebody is doing and you think, well, if I put myself in that situation, I wouldn't do that. But then you start anyway. My point is, is that how did you feel when Pastor Nick was being held over the wall and he would not give that information? Oh, my gosh. I just, like, was infuriated, like, Hanji, rightfully so, even though I'm a religious person. So I understand convictions, um, especially when you believe them to such an intense regard. But I was just okay. so mad. I was I was like Hanji, where I was like, are you freaking kidding me? So, yeah. Yes. Okay. Okay. I'm so glad that you said that because he does say at some point um, during that conversation, I will die for my beliefs or I will die for my God or higher power. I Sorry, I'm paraphrasing. But he does say that. And I was like, this is nuts. This is crazy. Why is he doing this? But we've both come from a Christian background, and so I'm only going to speak from the background that I am familiar with because I don't want to step on anybody other any other religion's toes or anything like that. But coming from a Christian background, um, reading Christian scriptures, the Bible, or in our case, uh, the Book of Mormon, you see people who sacrifice their life or sacrifice other people's lives in the name of their heavenly father in in what the holy spirit has told them and do we blink an eye at that we don't i mean i i never did and so who am i to say that he is crazy and the only reason why i feel like i do feel like he's crazy is because we don't believe in the same higher power or at least in this instance what I think his higher power is versus what my higher power is. Oh, 100%. Well, and, you know, it also, the wall people have been called a cult. It just seems like we've always felt that these people are strange, like right from the beginning, 
you know? So it's We've like, been conditioned. We've been conditioned to feel a certain way towards this group of people. Exactly. And so, yeah, we have this, like, rage towards Pastor Nick. But at the same time, it's like, like, who are we to say we've been conditioned this way? He holds this responsibility, like, yeah, to, you know, over the value of his life. So it's yep. like, you know... It, it it just like blows our mind and makes us mad. But I I love that you pointed that out. We have been conditioned to not like these people. Yeah. Oh, that's that's a good idea um, or a good thought. <laughs> but that's that's just the the part about the gatekeeping knowledge though too is that like we're we're speaking of gatekeeping. I mean, in a lot of ways, gatekeeping is viewed as a negative thing. Right. Right. And that is something that um, we look at, we look at Pastor Nick and we see it as a negative thing, but Irwin is also doing the same thing a lot. Like he gatekeeps knowledge a lot. And are we treating Irwin or Irvin at the same degree as Pastor Nick? We're not, are we? And it's because we have definitely been conditioned to feel one way towards certain people and one way towards another. 100%. And so, Team Scouts all the way. Yeah, exactly. And so I just wanted to kind of like point that out, like to look at it from, I mean, not necessarily, not necessarily you and I, because we're talking about it right now, right? Mm-hmm. But just like with Attack on Titan, I feel like we need to take a step back with the knowledge that we have on Attack on Titan and then the knowledge or, or the way that we apply that knowledge, right? 100%. Because everybody has their reasons. Like, Irvin has his reasons. Like, he has his reasons as to why he didn't tell everybody about Annie. Because he wanted to make sure that he got her caught. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to make sure there was no one else hiding in the 104th cadet group. Like, yep. he had to keep them away. And it seems like Pastor Nick has his reasons, too. Like, he's trying to protect his people and the higher-ups and keep something sacred. That's Not true. secret. Sacred. Like, That's- he does believe mm-hmm. that these walls and this belief is very sacred. That's very true because <sighs> um, I don't remember who it was. I think it was Armin who said, like, third or fourth episode. Where he was like, the wall cultists have had a lot of power recently, and they even had a like a super hard time getting them to agree to even put cannons on top of the wall because uh-huh. they did not want to mess with the sacred integrity of the walls. So yeah, you are right. I love that point at a uh, point because I feel like that differentiates at least allows us to give Pastor Nick a little bit of credit, maybe to see another perspective, because to him, it's not a secret, it's sacred. But to them, it's absolutely a secret that betrays humanity. So it's like, oh, yeah. which is it? Oh, love yeah. that, Sammy. Love that. I think let's move on, though, to what we liked, because it was yeah. an awesome episode. So, Sammy, why don't you tee us off? With what you liked. Okay. So I used a lot of exclamation <laughs> uh, points yep. during my notes that I have, like big caps, exclamation points, lots of question <laughs> marks. 
So the part that I really liked is I was like, how about that Titan talking? Like, what the heck? He sounded so scientific in the way he talked. And I was, it was just crazy. I know. Well, Sammy, because um, you did your notes first. When I saw that, I was like, oh, my goodness. That's so true. The Beast Titan does, you know, speak very scientifically. Almost. It reminded me almost on how Hanji talks about the Titans. And this is yeah. no diss Ooh, good to Hanji at all. Because everyone knows we love Hanji so much as just an amazing character. But it was just like this crazy role reversal where I was like, oh my gosh, the bad guy is doing what Hanji does to the Titans, but to Mike. And it feels so wrong. It feels horrible seeing it, it in a so role bad. reversal. Again, yeah. we're conditioned to be team human because, hello, all of us yes. are human. But yeah, when I saw that you wrote that, I was like, oh, this feels like a little switcheroo, you know? Oh, that's such a good parallel. Oh, good conversation. <laughs> okay, what did you love? Okay, well, what I loved was Mike, who said a person only loses when they give in. As long as we keep putting up a fight, we haven't been beaten. And, like, it's really sad that he's gone. It makes me super sad. And I feel like it's only appropriate to say, Alexa, play Another One Bites the Dust by Queen. Like, oh, no. <laughs> like bless his heart. He went oh. out strong, but yeah, it just makes me so sad that he's gone. Well, it's it's very interesting to me because he has a flashback to that moment where he says that and he's motivating himself and kind of in the way that they're telling this story in this moment when he, ha when he has this flashback, it just makes me think this is a person that is practicing what he's preaching kind of thing. 100%. And he's laying there on the ground, just afraid and not doing anything. And he remembers this and he's like, no, I need to fight until the end. Like, let's get up. Let's get going. It is my choice. If I am physically able, like, go for it. Fight until the very end. And what a man. 100%. Like, so it needs to be noted that Mike is said to be only second to Captain Levi. And again, Captain yes. Levi has been described as a battalion unto himself. He's humanity's savior. So to be second to that, I mean, Meek is a badass. So yeah, practice what he preached. R.I.P. Yeah. Another one bites <laughs> the dust. <laughs> um, but yeah, okay. My last thing that I liked because... I'm starting to read the manga. I was not a manga reader. I never planned on liking manga. Yet here I am. Again, never say never. Because when I do, things happen. <laughs> but <laughs> I noticed, um, Sam, that there was a slight difference in the manga. I think is either volume 8 or 9. Where Mikasa okay. is actually the one who sees the sleeping titan in the walls. After she cuts Annie's hand and, like, she falls. She's the one who oh. sees and, like, just freezes. Like, she is shocked. And, like, everyone just, like, looks up and they're like, holy freaking crap. I was so surprised that they decided to show us the sleeping titan 
in like the Marvel-esque type outro instead of like right there, huh. the same as the manga, because that would have been an amazing cliffhanger there too. I don't know. Interesting choice. Interesting choice. Interesting. I know. So, but yeah, oh. I did like it either way. I just was like, huh, interesting. I don't know why they would have changed it, but it's okay. Um, but let's bridge to past episodes. Okay. Did you notice anything? Because I did. Let me see. I was trying to think. I didn't see. I mean, maybe I just wasn't paying attention, but you go for it. Okay. Well, this is just kind of a little more wholesome of a bridge to past episodes, if you will. We need a little wholesome. But Connie says, you know, this is when they're all in this place. They can't leave. And Connie and Sasha are going back and forth about meeting their folks. And Connie says, my people told me that I was too puny to be a soldier. No questions asked. I had the brains for it. I was in the top 10 of my class. Someone is going to eat their words. That's a promise. And do you remember (laughs) when that cadet commander guy in training was like, Connie Springer, very capable, but a few sandwiches shy of a picnic. (laughs) Like... Does this mean that either Connie is just unconventionally smart, but probably dumbed down in comparison to genius boy wonder Armin, or is he still dumb, but he's basically the village genius? (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) Like, either scenario just makes me laugh, just like putting those two together, so... Uh, with Connie, I'm probably thinking the second. Like, he's probably... <laughs> Just the village genius. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Oh, that's... Or just very overconfident in his ability. <laughs> like, I mean, he did make top ten. That's a good point on his part. Like, mm-hmm. unless everybody else in the cadets were, like, dumb as rocks. <laughs> like, what does that What does that say for their graduating class if Connie truly is very dumb? And well, still made top 10. Well, I mean, Armin's genius boy wonder, but he did not make top 10. And Amir, who's pretty Ooh. quick on her feet, she didn't make top 10 either. Although we do get hints Truth. about it in the next episode. But still, she didn't make top yeah. 10 either. So, that yeah. Very true. I just thought it was hysterical. I was like, oh, I love this little moment we're having. <laughs> but yeah. Oh, Connie. I know. <laughs> that is a wrap for the first episode. So let's move on to episode two or if you're counting up episode 27 okay welcome back everybody we are now going to move on to episode two or if you are counting up episode 27 the title of our episode is i'm home megan would you like to give us our summary Absolutely. So we see that Commander Pixis is alerted that there is a Titan breach um, as well. We also see that Hannes is there too. So we can assume that all branches of the military are preparing themselves. So Aaron, Mikasa, Armin, Levi, Hanji, and Pastor Nick make their way onto the wagon and the rest of the group seems to be led by Commander Ervin. And We then go to the 104th Cadet Squad. They are branching out to warn 
all the nearby towns. Sasha heads toward her home, and this is where we get flashbacks. We learn more about her life, um, that she lived in the forest um, for her whole life. It had been three years since she'd been back, and that's when we see that this new town had developed right in the middle of the forest. And that is when Sasha, um, she goes to see if there are people who need help. And there is a titan that is slowly eating a woman. And there's a little girl who's just like frozen in fear. And Sasha grabs an axe to like go and chop off its head. But like the titan is still eating the mom. Like it is so gross. And And the mom is still alive. Oh my God. The mom is still alive. How did she not pass out? Like this is intense, like fight or flight. It was just, it was icky. Um, But so Sasha, she grabs the girl and they're like heading for the horse, but the horse just like runs off as soon as it gets off its little like hitch tie thingy or whatever obviously i'm not uh, a horse person (laughs) but um the horse runs off so that means that they have to make their escape on foot we know that this is like so dangerous and this titan starts to go after them thankfully it's kind of abnormal so it walks slowly but they are still in danger And so uh, Sasha, she grabs a bow and arrow and she tells the little girl she has to keep running down this lane. There will be people who will help her. And so Sasha, she takes that bow and arrow and takes out that Titan. It is amazing. She is not just potato girl. And then we go (laughs) over. I'm serious. I love Sasha. But then we go over and see Connie and Connie is making his way back to his village, which is near the south end, which is where they assume the breach is. And like his whole village is in ruins. There is not a single person there. There are no corpses or blood around. And so it's in ruins And, like, Connie, he just, like, runs to his house. And that's when we see a huge titan that is laying on top of its back, which is on, or flat on its back on top of his house. And this is, like, incredibly weird because the titan's arms and legs are so small. Think T-Rex arms. Um, It's, like, so small it can't support the body. And this then begs the question, how did it even get there? Oh, that was so good. Such a good episode. Yeah, it's, I feel like it's a very to the point episode. Like it's showing you action, 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 action. And like, there's no mincing about it. There's no kind of like monologues really going with it. It's just boom, boom, boom. 100%. Okay. So I did not pay attention. Like I said, for the last episode that we just covered in this podcast, I did not pay attention to the title. So I did not even know that it was called I'm home. (laughs) And I picked the theme of home. (laughs) I feel like it's just so appropriate, Sammy. (laughs) Yes. Well, I'm glad. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I just felt like this, this whole episode revolved around home in a couple different ways. Right. I mean, we see the literal sense Uh, with Sasha and Connie, but I think that there's a couple of other things that I really wanted to point out about home. So let's just kind of dig into it. Um, So 
all of these scouts, their current home is behind Wall Rose, right? Mm-hmm. Has been found to be compromised. Like they're, all of their homes are being compromised. And so their home behind Wall Rose seemed to be safe, only to find out that they have been protected this whole time by Titans. Can like, you imagine how mind-boggling that would be? Like... To hate all titans, to want to destroy all of them because they needlessly eat you, and yet there have been titans protecting you the entire time. Like, like that just blew my mind. And I know that I have watched this season previously, right? Like, I've watched this show before. And did that connect for me the last time that I watched it? No. Like, I just thought, oh, there's a titan in the wall. How did that get there? whoops no like (laughs) nope that is not what they were saying they're saying that each panel of the wall is a titan yep like how crazy is that to realize that you have grown up your whole life not knowing that there are titans in your home in your freaking home yep it not only that but the walls have been around for a hundred years right Exactly. It's just like so. Multiple generations have lived with these <laughs> with these freaking titans. It would be mind blowing. You would like not really know what to do with yourself or that information. I feel like it would make me feel so unsafe. Oh, one hundred percent. It's like these murder murder podcasts or these murder shows where they're like. <laughs> And I lived with this man for 25 years as my husband. We raised children together. And then I find out that he has killed 33 people over the past decade. (laughs) You know, like, you no longer feel safe. Oh, my gosh. I'm sitting here like. (laughs) It's so morbid. I'm sitting here. so true. (laughs) Yeah. I, I feel like super weird because I keep doing. So, like, I know sign language and I keep doing, like, the mind blown sign like boom over and over and over again because that's that's just how I feel like it I I just did it again it is something that just blows up your mind and your whole existence like not only me but my father and my grandfather and my great-grandfather you know like we all lived behind these walls for this entire time and I feel like that would kind of crumble the foundation of what home means to me Home usually means safety and warmth and people that are surrounding you that you feel comfortable with. And now, like, would you be questioning all that? Because I feel like I would. 100%. I would 100% feel that way. I would not feel safe because it's like, that would just open a floodgates of questions. Like, what is keeping them, like, frozen in this place? And... Is there anything that will compromise this? Like, will they turn on us? You know, will they wake up and will the walls just fall and we won't know what to do with ourselves? Like, I would just have a floodgate of questions literally on my safety. I would no longer feel like home was safe. Yeah. And one of the things that I really kind of wanted to talk about is, you know, how we go back and forth and we talk about how things are applicable to our everyday lives, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And so I was like, well, what in my life has kind of felt that way? And I immediately jumped to 9-11. Like, how safe did we feel 
-hmm. up until then. Like even now, like I still get scared to go on planes. I remember that day, like my dad was supposed to be flying home from Idaho back to Ohio that day. And my mom picked me up from school in the middle of the day saying like, I, I can't get a hold of your dad. Oh, I don't know which flight, like I, I, I don't know. And so there's that experience. And then there's the shootings that happened a couple years ago in Vegas where people just started shooting on the concert that they have there. Oh, my goodness. Like, yes, that makes me totally afraid. You know, just those things that kind of shatter your comfortable or comfortability, your your sense of security. One hundred percent. Yes. I feel like a lot of us can relate to that, actually. Because, yeah, I mean, if you were there, if you were alive during 9-11, you 100% remember, like, where you were, what you were doing. Like, Sam, you were probably in Ohio as well. I was in Ohio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember, like, not having recess. I remember my mom sobbing when I got home. Like, it was detrimental. And then we see, like you said, these shootings I mean, I've never been an anxious person, but I can see that whenever I think about things too much, it's like this anxiety builds and you're like, can Mm -hmm. I really go out? Maybe I should wait to see like if the hype dies down and then I go out, you know, it's like, you're right. Once you lose that sense of safety, you are so much more hesitant to continue on with your regular life. Yeah. And so that was, those were just a couple of things that I could think of that could kind of relate to the situation where a sense of security or AKA in this instance, home has kind of like the foundation has crumbled, right? Like mm-hmm. I can't, I can't even imagine what they feel like they would be going through if we were, you know, in Attack on Titan universe. Um. The next thing that I thought of is Connie seems to feel like it's more important to go back home, like to his home of origin, than it is to flee to safety with the rest of the scouts. So it seems like he is still valuing his childhood home over where has been home for how many years? Like three years, says Sasha, or maybe five years. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But they're trying to protect the home that they remember having. Like, childhood homes just is very idealized. I know that, like, I thought that my childhood home was super cool. And we went and visited it a couple years ago when I took my husband, John, back to my hometown for the first time. And I was like, whoa, very (laughs) different than what I remember. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Yep. Mm -hmm. I just feel like for Connie and for Sasha, they're remembering their childhood home because it hasn't been ripped away from them like it has with Armin and Mikasa and... Aaron like it is still there for them they still have family they still have homes and I feel like for them this is their last shed of hope or their last piece shred sorry not shed shred last shred of hope that life is still somewhat good oh my goodness I love that you contrasted Sasha and Connie to um Aaron and Armin and Mikasa, because you're right, it does seem like their childhood is still intact, whereas they lost, like, every sense of childhood when Shigan yeah. was attacked. Um, 
I also understand that like they they want to go back home improved. Like they wanted to go back to show that they've made something of themselves. Like Connie yeah. was like, I'm a full-blown soldier. And you guys thought I was too puny. Like he wanted to prove that he made it. And Sasha, she was told to come back when she was normal, which, let's be honest, what is normal? You know, that is so subjective. <laughs> but it's like, yeah. it ended up being too late for them to make it back to the home that they knew. And that's yeah. really sad, you know. Um, oh, uh, do, do you feel like home seems to represent like this hope? their idealized past that's so sacred and protected. Like, I kind of feel like that almost because you have the contrast of Erwin, Armin, Mikasa, Aaron, Hanji, and Levi who aren't going towards home. Like you have that big contrast of people going towards their home and those that aren't. And is that because they've lost hope of like what home is to them? And so they're just like, well, we're just kind of rolling with the punches at this point, moving towards action, not hope not home i i think so because like for people like connie and sasha it's like home is or at least should be this safe haven this refuge that has been untainted by titans or is supposed to like let's not forget that in terms of like the walls the innermost wall is walsina the middle wall is wall mar- or is wall rose and then the outer wall is wall maria and so it's like they ideally would have been safe from any sort of titan invasion they were relatively free of danger and so you know they chose to be scouts they chose to like venture out and run the risk of dying, but at the same time, hope was like this thing that they could hold on to, to return back to, and be safe from those dangers that they see every day. So for me, yeah, home is that beacon of hope, literally and figuratively, at least for people like Sasha and Kana, Sasha and Connie. I like <laughs> blurred their <laughs> names together. <laughs> they are not a power couple, just the best friend duo ever (laughs) (laughs) oh man well let's I feel like that was kind of a depressing theme but I felt like that was the theme and and based off of the title I think that everybody else would agree with that too but it's yet again another childhood squashed right (sighs) like another another ending to childhood or a big punch in the face for reality's sake. I don't know. 100%. I feel like, I mean, I feel like you grow up exponentially faster when you have to leave that childhood home, be it by force or just through other circumstances where you have to relocate. I think that once you do let go of childhood you just you just become a grown-up adult way way faster so I feel like they are almost at the level of Aaron Mikasa and Armin to that degree yeah I 
I think I would agree with that just based off of the based off of the experiences that they are currently having. Mm-hmm. But let's move on to what we liked. Do you want to go first? You go first. You go first. Okay. I loved it when Sasha was trying to take out that, or when she did take out that Titan with a bow and arrow. Everybody loves a bow and arrow girl trope. Let me just (laughs) say it. We've got so many books about it. We've got so many shows. Yeah. Candace Everdeen. There's um, Merida. I mean, yeah, everyone loves a bow and arrow moment. I don't know. I mean, if you're a current reader with books that I like to read. There's From Blood and Ash where she uses that bow and arrow. There's also A Court of Thorn and Roses where she uses that arrow. Like, holy cow, guys, there are so many girls with bow and arrow tropes where, yeah, it's just great. Like, I love it. It makes me one trillion percent want to get into that. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I agree. Just be a badass like them. (laughs) Yeah. Hair flowing in the wind. Exactly. Get your target. Yes. And then flop your hair to the side. Mm-hmm. And yep. 100%. Um, I feel like, again, we need to remind people that Sasha is not and should not be reduced to Potato Girl. She is a badass and a force to be reckoned with. And I want to point this out, Sammy. In addition to the super cool bow and arrow moment. She also heard the Titans coming before Mika could smell them out. And before Nanaba had flown down to say, hey, danger's approaching. Sasha heard it. The girl has mad skills. And, you know, I feel like I need to just bring this up because apparently the manga author Hajime Isayama he was going to have Sasha killed in this <gasps> final stand against this Titan in volume nine. He was going to kill off the heroine. I know. I was like. I just made a really weird face at Megan that showed that I was very, very mad. <laughs> Keep going, Megan. <laughs> but like the only reason why Sasha made it out alive from volume nine and, you know, this episode is because the ebb the editors begged him to keep Sasha alive, the heroine. So volume nine, if you read the manga, and of course you're watching, this was supposed to be Sasha's moment to die. And like, this just brings me to a really big question, which is why is Isayama hellbent on breaking the hearts of his readers time and time again? I just... I learned things and I'm like, why do you do this? Why do you want to hurt us? I don't get it. <laughs> oh, man. Um, oh, man. <laughs> I know. And then last Sasha moment, because, you know, fangirling here. But in one of her flashbacks, she has a moment with Emir, Krista, and the three of them are in the cadet training, which we all know how I feel about Emir. But, um, Emir was getting on her case and Krista was like, stop being mean. And like this back and forth just caused Sasha to end up laughing. And I just love that about her that she just ended up laughing like this is so dumb and hysterical. 
And it totally threw Ymir off. And she's like, wait, why are you laughing? Like, totally threw her off. So, you guys, if anyone comes at us, let's just take a, a note out of our girl's book and just laugh it off. It just laugh makes it, it makes the little bully moment, like, really mad that we're laughing oh, yeah. at them. So, I just love that about her. Oh, so cute. And Krista ends up saying, like, Sasset. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Sasha is who she wants to be. And I was like, yes. Like, why are we making fun? Like, essentially, Sasha and Connie are kind of typecasted as weird people, like goofy weird people. And, like, that's what makes the world go around. Not everybody's the same. Let her be who she wants to be. And thank you, Krista, for pointing out what should be obvious to everybody. Right. And if someone wants to be polite, friendly, approachable, it doesn't mean that they're not being themselves in mirror. No one is going (laughs) to be hateful for the purpose of being hateful. Back it up. (laughs) Step away from my girl, Sasha. You're getting a little too hot and heavy. (sighs) Ask me how I feel about a mirror. Okay, well, let's uh, quickly wrap up and let's talk about bridge to past episodes. Is there anything that you feel like you wanted to mention about bridging? Um, you go for it. Maybe it'll like, you know, remind me of some Trigger things, something. you go first. Okay, so I said the worship of the people who are wall cultists. Uh, they seem to know more than we thought and maybe not as the crazies we made them out to be like, we have a really big contrast in where they've started out with season one, where they're just standing on like their soapboxes and kind of trying to preach to everybody in rags. And now they have a bigger following. They have nice clothes. They seem to have some clout among the higher ups. Are they truly useful? I don't don't know. In my mind, I don't think that they're useful because they're unwilling to help or explain what they know. They don't really, we don't know why they didn't want to venture out of the walls or kill Titans or like any of that. Um, And I feel like they're just not being helpful because it will expose all that they knew and they can't. So, yeah. Okay. No me gusta. well we'll have to see we'll have to see how this progresses with the wall cultists because i just feel like we're kind of coming they're kind of coming into their own they're kind of coming into this point where like we've gotta utilize them somehow and i feel that hanji and Irvin and levi are kind of starting to realize it by capturing pastor nick like (laughs) and taking him and trying to get him to talk and i think yeah that's just really just really important yeah i don't know they're gonna have to talk at some point maybe yeah but um shall we move on yeah let's go okay doing it So episode three or episode 28, we're going to be talking about the episode Southwestward. So Sammy, refresh our memories. 
Okay, so this episode, there was a lot of jumping back and forth through time by hours, by a couple of days, or maybe it was a couple of months. I can't remember. As you can tell, I had some a hard time kind of following this episode. So bear with me as I kind of talk through this. So we start off with where we left on the last episode, Connie seeing the Titan, this blonde, big blonde Titan on top of his childhood home like completely crushed with just this Titan hanging out, eyes open, scrawny arms, scrawny legs, and it looks like their ribs popping out too. Really, really weird. Yeah. Then uh, as other scouts are there, they deduce that people made it out alive since they did not find a single body or some blood. That's just how they feel. Some people feel like, oh, I don't know, like, we'll see, maybe. So, (laughs) I don't know. There was just, like, a little bit of ambiguity uh, as to how everybody felt. Like, some people were trying to give Connie hope, and then others were inwardly thinking, like, I don't know about that. I I don't have much hope that people actually got out. Yeah, I think it was mostly for Connie's benefit. Bless his heart, because, yeah. Yeah. He wasn't doing so hot, and we'd need him on his A game, you know? Yeah, exactly. So the next part that we get to, Connie hops on his horse and he hears the Titan say, oh, welcome home to him. So crazy. Uh, In that moment, Connie's like, did you hear that? Like, what did you hear that? And Reiner turns around and tells him that he's hearing things and that they need to get out of town to help whoever has been able to make it out. So he's just like, Shut up, get on your horse, let's go. This is your job. Yep. Um, then we kind of move next into a different group of friends, which we really haven't seen a ton of except for flashbacks. But we see Krista and Amir having a heart to heart as to why Amir is protecting her. And they start to they start to talk about it, and then we have a jump backwards for about nine hours before all of this craziness is happening. Before all the scouts left the castle and split into groups. Hannes and his group can't seem to find the hole in the wall at all. They've been searching for hours, just running the perimeter of the wall, and they do not see a freaking hole. So what does that mean, guys? <laughs> what does that mean? Levi then asks about the rock that Hanji is keep that she keeps staring at on their carriage ride. Hanji ends up saying that it's a titan stone, and that they believe that Aaron can harden his skin to help patch up the wall. So they've been kind of doing tests on this rock, realize it's not a real rock, realize it's part of what fell off of Annie, and deduces that Aaron might be able to do the same thing by hardening his skin, patching up the walls, because the boulder's just not going to cut it. Let's be honest, it's just not going to cut it. (laughs) Then... We jump to the pastor going on to explain that there is one person that the church is supposed to protect, which we find out is Krista, and that she might have some answers that everyone is looking for. We then see a continuation of the Titan attack on the castle with the beastly Titan making his way over the wall. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) Uh, that was so crazy to me like just seeing him perched on top of the wall like la di da di da while everything else is going on the beast titan is nightmare fuel like 
nightmare he also just looks goofy as hell and you're just like why <laughs> yes why you look like you've skipped leg day why do you look that way you know oh man um but anyway <laughs> sorry guys the we're- beast titan the guy who skipped leg day <laughs> We're really punchy today. We always record like after work and after Sammy's kids go to bed. So like we're pretty punchy. But um, yeah, but let's dive into themes, though. For me, a really big one was, you know, just facing the hard truth. And what I mean by that is, you know, the moment where Pastor Nick uh, is almost in shock and disbelief when they get into this town called Ermic. I'm probably saying it wrong. Um, Ermic. I, again, it's like a German esque type name. Um, but Levi's like, no, take it in. Holy man. These are the faces of human beings who lost everything they ever had. Human beings, you and your kind abandoned incidentally look at it. Or he said, hard to look at, I'd imagine. But if the church had its way, this would be all of us. And, like, this is a serious moment for a person of status such as Pastor Nick to really see the, impl- the, um, the ramifications of him not disclosing this information that he has made an oath of some kind to protect. And it's very hard for him to really face what he's looking at. I think that that's a really good point that just really, I I really like that you pointed this portion of the episode out because I feel like it is important. Sometimes it's a lose-lose situation. Like Mm -hmm. say we're looking at it from the perspective that Pastor Nick is justified. Say we look at it from that perspective. There are so many choices that we make in our lives that are a lose-lose situation where you're just like, this is going to be the best thing out of all the terrible choices Mm -hmm. and these are the repercussions, but this is the choice that needs to be made. And sometimes we aren't looked at as the good guy when we try to make the best decisions for ourselves or for other people. That's to say, if we're justifying the the pastor. Well, 100% like, because again, like we're not, we're conditioned to feel about wall cultists and pastor Nick in a certain way. But, like, think about it in real life. We have our ideals, we have our standards or our virtues or things that we care about, but how does that stand up when we are faced with hard truth that contradicts that? I'm not saying that it's wrong to believe in what we choose to believe in, But we do see that this has a big impact on Pastor Nick. He does not want to break his oath. And he doesn't. But he, you can see that this softens him to a degree to say, I'm not the person you can get answers for, uh, answers to your questions, but I'm going to tell you who might be able to help you. Um, And I... And so in his own way, he's still trying to help. Like he realizes mm -hmm. that... The decisions that he has made or the oaths that he has taken do have an impact. And if there's any way that he can help, um, 
he will help. And I think that that's a really big changing point for Pastor Nick is that he, once he sees what is truly going around, like you look, you see his clothes. Mm-hmm. Does it seem like he is seeing the repercussions of the war? Do we see the repercussions of the war that US, the U.S. has done? No. You know, we, we often forget about it because we're not in a warring country. It's just like that for him. Like, he is not in a warring circle of wall. Like, he hasn't had to experience that, at least from what we know. And so he finally is taking that information in and doing the best that he feels like he can, which I think is to some degree, an honorable decision. 100%. And um, yeah, you can tell that that really impacted him. Another moment that I observed, but a little bit more brief um, than Pastor Nick, was when Connie did make it to his hometown with the hard truth that his family might not have made it, but he did cling to hope when people were like, you know, maybe they did escape like there's no blood you know maybe you know he for a moment and probably still does just has to face this hard truth that something bad might have happened to his village to his family there's even a brief moment where after the titan does speak which aside from mike who saw the beast titan speak this is the first air quotes time that someone is seeing is witnessing a titan speak and living so it's like but then after that moment he's like i feel like this is my mom like he's having to face a really hard truth if he decides like i need to go down this path or i'm just going to like cling on to this possibility that i've imagined things but even connie is going to be having to face this if he chooses to. Oh, that was a really hard part for me to watch with this realization of, okay, so we have Aaron. He hasn't known Aaron or Connie has not known Aaron all his life. He doesn't know how Aaron has come to be able to be a Titan, but he has known his mom. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I guess what I'm comparing is that he has known his mom his entire life Mm -hmm. and to, have to juggle the fact that like she might have been this way his entire life and not known or something has happened to somebody who he's known his entire life to make her turn into a Titan. Or he's just so messed up at this point that he is thinking that his mom is a Titan and that he has imagined this Titan saying something to him that his mother would have said like, right. Any of those realities are hard. Yeah, 100%. So, I mean, there were some significant moments where people had to face this harsh reality, which, I mean, Attack on Titan does not spare any punches, but it's led them to act and to, you know, still be able to move forward. Another brief theme that I thought about, and this does not have to be very big because literally it's just touched on but it's the meaning of restraint so way back in the first episode of the season i don't know why i said way back um because literally that was just two episodes the beginning of the podcast you know if you've watched season two episode (laughs) one 
We get a flashback of Aaron's mom, Carla, shout out, um, where she's like, Aaron, we don't throw punches at people who are mean to us. Be an adult. It means to, you know, learn to pick your battles. You want them to think that you're strong. Exercise restraint. Try protecting Mikasa once in a while. You know, so we see that flashback happened. Of course, we know that Aaron's been in like rage fight mode all the time. But then in the last moment of this third episode, we now see that Levi tells Aaron, don't screw this up. Learn the meaning of the word restraint. And if you let yourself succumb to blind rage, all hope is lost. We cannot afford another mistake. And I just thought like it is just worth noting that we recently had a Carla moment telling her son to exercise restraint, learn it. And now we have Levi, who is not like a parental figure, but definitely a leader overseeing Aaron and his development, also say the same thing. And I just feel like that's hinting that Aaron is going to have a very hard time learning this lesson. But it makes us think like, or it makes me wonder, what can we learn from this meaning and how would that look in the world of Attack on Titan? <sighs> so loaded. I know. I And here's the truth. We don't like waste scenes in Attack on Titan. So for me, I think that yeah. this is important. But it's like, what would that mean? Like, what is the lesson that we should learn or take away from it? And how could we apply that to... A character who thrives in rage mode, you know? Yeah. Maybe this is more rhetorical and more of a pondering moment, but I think it was worth noting that this happened. Yeah, I feel like this is a really good pondering question because, I mean, how many different ways can we take the meaning of restraint for us individually, for in the way that they are referring to it? in Attack on Titan, like there are so many different ways. And man, we just fight a ton. Like I think of, I think of Aaron and the way that he's just always willing to like step up and fight. And that's not always a good thing. Like sometimes he provokes, uh, a bunch provokes of people. situations. Yes. Yeah. And I feel like we as a society, at least from what I'm seeing on the news is that we are are provoking a lot. We're not handling situations with restraint. I feel like we as a society want the fight and not necessarily to educate other people in a calm and informed way. I would like to emphasize calm and informed. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we, just rush head on into things. And I feel like that's something that we need to take a step back and kind of look at. Like we as a society are very much like Aaron. And sometimes we rush into things without, without thinking or without the knowledge or without the power, you know? Totally. Well, and I think it's very interesting how this comes from his mom and it's like, this is a maternal lesson she tried to best- instill. In- instill, thank you, on her son. And she was taken away prematurely. 
this is still an issue for someone like Aaron and to have it come from a person like Levi where he's incredible and this is the number one thing he says. It's like this obviously has to be a very poignant thing that I, you know, that we should think about because this was a lesson that he was supposed to learn from his mom and that was taken away. And now this is a very do or die moment. And out of all the things Levi could have said, it had to be this, you know? Yeah. And like you mentioned, society is very much like Aaron in rage mode. I think we can learn a lot just by thinking about what that means, what the meaning of the word restraint means. Yeah. Okay. But let's move on to things that we liked. Sammy, what did you love? Oh, I've got a few this episode. <laughs> I love how Han or how Levi always talks to Hanji. Like it's so great. Gives them little nicknames, like calling them a ragtag, sorry, a ragtag group and stuff like that. I just think that they have a unique bond, like we've said before, and it's great. Oh, 100 it's and so calling cool. and calling Hanji four eyes. I mean, cracks yes. me up. <laughs> Yes. I haven't heard that in oh. such a long time. Probably elementary school, someone saying, hey, four eyes or something to that yeah. extent. It was great. So it just it's it's endearing for sure. 100 percent. Anything else? OK, just real quick. The part where the ta- the Titan talks to Connie or we believe that the Titan talks to Connie, like I had to rewind that part and I was like, wait, what? I missed it. <laughs> Super cool. And then my absolute favorite part is when Sasha comes in with the missive. And she gives it to Hanji and and then Hanji walks away with a letter and Sasha is just standing there with a potato in her hand and it was kind of like a tap tap on from from Hanji to Sasha being like good girl good girl yep you did an excellent job now take a moment and eat we know that you're hungry I mean it was just so freaking cute I also love that um I also loved I just thought it was hilarious but like not a great moment <laughs> where yeah. Galgar, who was, was the leader of Connie's group with like the really weird like pompadour hair. Is that what it's called? Pompadour? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He was uh screaming at the Titans when they were attacking the castle at night. And he was just like, I have earned the right to get trashed. Like he <laughs> all he wanted to do was go home and drink some alcohol and he couldn't. And like I just thought that that was hilarious that, like, out of all the things to say, to get mad about, <laughs> it had to be that. So, yeah. Oh, I just thought. What a good one-liner. I know. I earned the right to get trashed. <laughs> um, but, Sammy, did you notice any bridges to past episodes? Just one short point. We see that freaking key again. Like, <sighs> zoom in on the key around Aaron's neck. Mm-hmm. That's it. <laughs> the freaking key. We're reminded, like, hey, in case you forgot, this is, like, the goal. 
And yet we have to yeah. do all these these side uh, excursions to get to this goal. It's it's wild, but yeah, cracks me up. Oh, now Sammy teasers. I know. Um, now Sammy, tell me who was your episode MVP? Oh, it was so hard for me because I was thinking like, oh, there's Sasha. She's done a lot of cool stuff, but I ended up choosing Mike and it's for the sacrifice that I, I just write what a sacrifice what good advice what more can I say and that's <laughs> kind of how I feel like he was a man of action and he the things that he said he followed up on he really just went out of his way to protect other people and he knew that he had the skill to to let everybody get away and I I kind of feel like he knew that it was going to be a trip that he didn't come back from based on how many there were. I mean, everyone, everyone thought that he would though. And, but I just feel like there is not a single moment where he could, anyone could have anticipated a a Titan, like the beast Titan. Um, No. Mike is actually my honorable mention for all the things that you said. I just like, absolutely loved um like seeing him be very motivating with people like nanaba um saying like we don't give up we only lose if we stop fighting and then just literally fighting to the end um yeah i mean it was so great and it's such a loss like literally the second best person to levi to be taken out um but for my MVP, I had to give it to Sasha. Yay! I know. My I, girl. I love my girl, Sasha. So, and it's just because she was incredible these past three episodes. She literally saved that girl without ODM gear and yep. only was able to use a bow and arrow. Like, talk about taking it back to her roots. She was able to take it out. Um, and she was entrusted with critical information and just like delivering it to Ervin, who then said, Hey, now go and give it to Hanji and taking that information and going to Hanji. Like she was yeah. very pivotal at keeping that communication going. And so I just think that she was incredible. Um, yeah. And yes, she ate a potato, but, oh, can I tell you something that I, like, hypothesize? Oh, I'm debating it because it's kind of a bummer, but, uh, should I? Or should I end on a high note? Okay, well, I know that people are like, oh, potato girl. I feel like why um, Sasha is so, like, she just goes, like, shark mode buggy eyes whenever food is present because in one of the flashbacks it talks about how the forest is getting smaller which means it's harder to get game and food and I just think that and this was three years prior so obviously Sasha was let's say maybe she was like 12 like 10 to 12 or whatever like I think that this moment of food scarcity was introduced to Sasha at just like this right age to where she no longer 
like trust that food will be there when she is hungry, which is why she goes into stockpiling gotta eat now mode because this food scarcity was introduced into her life you know just at a critical point where they were struggling to find food and so yeah not to be a bummer but i think that this is a real a real life moment where it's just like i feel like it just humanizes her you know it it kind of like takes like a funny joke moment and puts it into a different perspective where this is why Hanji or this is why Sasha is motivated the way she is. You know, I know that we've said like she's a foodie, like girl after my own heart, which is true. But I feel like it takes it a little step deeper where it's like, you know, we can get a little empathy and compassion for the life that she lived and you know where she came from you know so sorry to bum everyone out (laughs) but i just i thought about it and was like you know i feel like this makes sense so but to be honest it just makes her even more incredible in my eyes you know no i think it's a good point uh we we see each cadet or scout character whatever you want to call them have things from their past that have really shaped them and it's kind of it's kind of interesting to take them and put them in like oh what what would this really mean or what does this really do for them and yeah she's not just a potato girl she's a girl that has struggled and because of that we kind of find that this little quirk is hilarious but there's a reason yep And like Krista said, she is choosing to be who she wants to be now, despite that. So, yeah. Anyway, I think that we like tied a little bow and made it a little bit happier. (laughs) So, (laughs) yeah, but um, I think that's it. So, everyone, thank you for joining us. If you want to get in touch with us, feel free to follow us on Instagram and TikTok at littlebitweebish. Also, email us at littlebitweebish at gmail.com. And please consider giving us a five-star review because that just helps more like-minded people find us and join in on the conversation. Yes, please, please, please. We love you guys. (laughs) You guys are the best. Be sure to watch episodes four through six or let's see, episodes 29, 30, and 31 for next week's episode. And we will see you then. Bye, everybody. Thanks. Bye.